So, Brad, yeah, we talked a lot about your personal story, and thanks for all the vulnerability. That's uh, it's pretty remarkable. What, um, how far you've come, and, and the the interesting pieces of, of how um, some of the healing came about. Um, you know, as I think about your story and um, and some of the repair that you talked about along the way from the youth uh, pastor and counselor and so on, and when I think about same sex attraction, you know, I mean, your story really isn't that different than mine in a lot of ways or many mm-hmm, others correct, who, yeah. who don't, uh, who haven't developed a, and haven't, they didn't have that same sex attraction, but it's, it's, so it's interesting, you know, the underlying issues for all unwanted sexual behavior really has a lot of the same origin. Can you yeah. speak to that a little bit? Yeah. It's, and that was even part of my motivation in writing what I wrote about in my book, there's there had been lots of books written about same-sex attraction, but there are some things that I felt like needed clarification or just a few pieces that needed to be added. And in the, in the book that I wrote, I was hoping to address that and for those individuals who would respond with, um, you know, that's never been a struggle for me. I don't understand it. Um, how could it be, you know, something that I could relate to? But this is really a book about everybody's story. Um, so many times as I've spoken around the country and, and taught on this issue, so many people came up to me afterwards and said, Hey, I've never had same sex attraction, but I can totally relate to what you're saying. I've had those same kind of traumas. I've had those mm-hmm. same kind of responses and just resulting in different struggles, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's sexual of other sexual sin in other ways, or whether it's other kinds of behaviors and so this is my hope is that people would begin to see that, you know, this is, this is the believer's life. This is the Christian life. We've all been impacted by the world from the time of birth, you know, even before birth, that we've all been impacted by the world in all kinds of different ways. And some of them are negative and some of them are very traumatic. And we all have responses to that. We all respond sinfully um, and we're all wounded. And so the Christian life is about facing that honestly with God and that he longs to heal us mm-hmm. and to draw us to a life where we can repent of our, our the sinful responses to what's happened to us and start living in full confidence and trust in him and living a new and healthy. And that's, I think what the whole Christian life is. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's part yeah. of my hope is that people can see what are, you know, what is the story for all of us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, so true. Uh, everyone experiences um, something, you know, there, there aren't any perfect parents. Everyone experiences something growing up that's unpleasant that uh, may stick with them and um, cause some, some type of underlying behavior and so on. And uh, I know in, in your book, you talk about trauma and two different types of trauma. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. I actually drew from a great resource called the life model book. And they, in that book, I feel like that they've given it's co-authored by uh, a number of individuals who are, have been in therapy or counseling for a number of years. And I feel like that they do a much better definition of trauma than any other source I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that they divide up in two categories, which I just basically shared that same information in my book, because I think it's really important for people to 
to learn this. As I again, as I spoke around the country, I began to see that people are aware of some aspects of trauma, mm-hmm. but not fully, and that that was limiting their ability to face um, their own story fully and to to work through it. So. There are traumas um, that they call type B traumas, which are bad things that happen to us like sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal Mm -hmm. abuse, um, neglect, watching other people being abused. Um, Those are traumas that you and I would agree are traumas. Um, Typically, a lot of definition of trauma stops there, just Mm -hmm. the bad things that happen to us. But the authors of the Life Model book go further and they say that there's a type A trauma, they call it. And those mm-hmm. are things that should have happened that didn't, that are essential to our growth and development. So if you were not seen and valued and cherished in your home simply because you existed and you didn't feel that way, that you were precious, that that is a trauma. Mm-hmm. If you were not given large amounts of non-sexual physical nurturing, you know, like arms to hug you and hold you and to kiss on you and... And knowing like limits so that nobody's holding on to you too long, but they understand they respond to you well so they can give you healthy affection, but also stop when you say, I've had enough, you know, that that's also a trauma if -hmm. you don't have enough of that. Not being taught how to do difficult things, that if you didn't experience that in your home, that also is a trauma. Not being given, you know, healthy amounts of food and medical care and clothing, those are traumas. And those are the kind of traumas that we often don't identify. We've restricted it to just the severe things that happen, but not valued what is really um, a lot of us are part of our stories. And they even say in the book that a lot of times the type B traumas, the bad things that happen to us, can be more easily addressed than the type A. Mm-hmm. Because a type A, the things that should have happened that didn't, um, that we typically, because we don't value it, it typically just goes unseen, unaddressed. And those are the things that really are at the heart of a lot of our struggles as well. I didn't have any of the type B traumas, but I had several of the type A traumas. And that was at the foundation, you know, of why I struggled. Right. Yeah, it's... um. So the, so the interesting piece is how, how would you connect the type B and type A these types of traumas, the things that happened to us that shouldn't have and the things that didn't happen that should have. Now, how do you connect that with uh, porn addiction and unwanted sexual behavior? How does mm-hmm. that uh, play out in someone's life in causing you know, this unwanted behavior? Well, like a, a general understanding of that is we naturally have desires that we're born with, I believe that we're born with. So for example, we desire to be connected in an emotionally healthy way with our mother and our father. If that either one of those pieces are missing, then that has an effect on us. It produces a lack and we not only can identify what was lacking, but there is a way that we typically respond to that. So if we have a longing for, um, a father figure in our life and don't have that, or if we have a longing for a mother figure and don't have that, we may still have those desires, but in our disappointment of not having that need met, um, the way to maybe deal with that is to, to deny that we have that desire to suppress it, Mm -hmm. to cover it up. But the problem is, is that we have a natural 
desire for that we're created to long for a relationship and have those relational connections. So any efforts that we have to suppress it and cover it up is just going to create other kinds of problems. It's kind of like, it's, it's like if you have a, a natural flowing stream in the mountain and it's going, it's in its path and running. And then all of a sudden there's an avalanche and it blocks the stream. Well, does the water all of a sudden stop flowing? Well, no, it just redirects its path. It changes its course and goes Mm. a different direction. Mm. And really it's the same. Um, What happens naturally is the same for us emotionally and spiritually. It's like if we choose to suppress and kill um, that desire that is natural to us, it doesn't go away. It just gets redirected. Mm. And a lot of times what happens is it gets redirected into our sexual desires. That's not, of course, the only thing it gets redirected to. But for those of us who struggle sexually, that's a key um, factor of what influences us to have those kind of struggles is that we have, if you have any kind of sexual struggle, you can assume you have some kind of suppressed desires within. Mm-hmm. And um, and I would also want to add too that that there's not only the traumas that we are talking about, but there's also other things on the list um, that we can talk about as well. Like if we don't have a cultural definition of what it means to be male and female, then there's a lot of confusion around that. And mm-hmm. that contributes to how people feel. Like if, so that was one of the struggles I had. It wasn't just the traumas that I felt, but I was confused about what does it mean to be a male? Because obviously the peers around me are telling me I'm not male. Mm-hmm. They're calling me sissy and fag. Yeah. So does that right. mean I'm something other than male? And so that was part of what contributed to my confusion is like, well, where do I turn to mm-hmm. for that guidance of what is male and what is female? Mm-hmm. And I was so used to like just kind of looking at the models around me, whatever it may be, and deciding like, I don't like that one. I don't like, I think I kind of like that one. But there was a period of time where I was like, mm-hmm. I would rather be genderless. I would rather not want to be male or female because mm-hmm. I just don't even want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Well, that obviously will impact yeah. how I struggle as well if I have that. So so it's those it's kind of traumas in addition to other influencing factors Mm -hmm. that can add to the struggle and confusion and cause me to question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it sounds like, um, for some, and I know that, uh, this, you know, all all of the unwanted sexual behavior, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to, to just determine. You can't just, um, take a five minute test and have all of it revealed to you, uh, all the different parts and the, and the reasons behind it all. But it's, a, it's, it's something that takes time that you have to work on with, uh, with God and with others. Mm-hmm. And, um, but so I think, um, remembering, I remember you said, uh, how you, how it turned into a hatred towards males and, Correct. and, mm-hmm. um, uh, rejecting them altogether. <clears throat> so it's kind of sounds like that translated into a rejection of the entire male identity. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. And that, um, could be a piece of, uh, what, how some, some people, uh, develop an unwanted sexual behavior could, Correct. it could translate, but I'm sure that there's quite a bit more in yeah. there as well. And, uh, some, what, what other parts do you think from your story that, uh, contributed well, the reason I, I, I focus on hatred in my book a lot is I, I got this idea from uh, Dan Allender, who's a well-known um, Christian psychologist and author and speaker. And, and I had 
gone to a sexual abuse training conference. And one of the things that he um, talked about and addressed was that uh, he believed that same-sex attraction was influenced by this aspect of hatred of the same sex, Mm -hmm. which seemed strange to me. That doesn't make any sense. Why would I hate the same sex if I'm attracted to them? Mm-hmm. But I took that information home and the things that he shared and I began to work with it and see it in my own story. And one of the aspects of it is that in order to be able to suppress God-given desires, that hatred is the only thing strong enough to be able to suppress those desires hmm. and to kind of try and obliterate it. Hmm. Um, and so that's what ended up happening in terms of, well, I'm not being accepted by males, by my father. Males are unsafe. I don't like being around them. So, you know, I don't want this desire for my father anymore. I don't want desire to be connected with this. You know, forget them, you know, and it developed into this hatred. And it came out in little, like little jabs and criticisms I would have for straight males all the time. I would just always be like criticizing and putting him down. I didn't have anything nice to say about my father. Um, I just had this subtle anger towards him and I just mm. kept to myself and just avoided him, mm-hmm. didn't pursue relationship with him. And that's a big deal, you know, to that's, I mean, that's antithetical to the Christian life. We're mm. called to love and to, to see that as just maybe even one component might be mistreating it. It's, it's yeah. a significant component. And uh-huh. that was a huge part of why I struggled. Uh-huh. Now I certainly have what I mentioned earlier, the struggle with, what does it mean to be male and female? I, I need some definition here. You know, mm-hmm. that would help me, yeah. you know, kind of help work through that. But if I didn't repent of this sin of hatred first, mm-hmm. I wasn't going anywhere. So mm-hmm. no matter how much I understood about what it meant to be male and female, I wasn't going anywhere mm-hmm. until I was repenting of this issue. That's why I feel like ultimately the the biggest thing that needs to be addressed in sexual struggle is our repentance, mm-hmm. but not of... I think we we obsess about the sexual behavior, mm-hmm. but really the bigger issue is the thing, the sinful choices we have made that have led to the behavior that create mm-hmm. the symptom yeah. of sexual struggle. And so it's like hatred of the same sex, sometimes hatred of the opposite sex. Yeah. That's another component that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, to be sexually abused by somebody, there's also going to be a shutting down of the heart and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's understandable. No shame for anybody who wants to shut off their heart after being abused, whether it's sexually, physically, or otherwise. Yeah. Makes total sense. But in order to be able to find freedom and to have your desires fall into place in a healthy way, you have to face that abuse. You have mm-hmm. to face how you responded to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, depending upon the severity of it, that can be a, a lengthy journey, you know, mm-hmm. and it can be very difficult and very frightening for people to face those parts of their story. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are pieces that are not insignificant. Even people who have, don't maybe have anything severe like that, but they just maybe have my story of just never feeling like they're loved and accepted anywhere they go. Mm-hmm. And just always have this feeling that, you know, I'm just never enough. I'm always less than that's not a small thing mm-hmm. that, that, that impacts our hearts hugely. Our hearts were created to be very sensitive. Anybody who's used to being around a baby will see that like babies are very sensitive mm-hmm. to how people react to them. Mm-hmm. And that's really yeah. our hearts. Yeah. Um, I'll share one quick story about mm-hmm. even my own son when he was, uh, six years old, he, um, 
was, I don't, we were getting ready for school in the morning. My wife goes to work early. And so I was responsible for getting my sons ready. And my older son was just kind of railing on the younger son, younger son, just, you know, he's kind of guilty a lot of times of just bossing him around and he just wasn't leaving him alone. And I said like, Micah, you need to leave Noah alone and we're getting ready for school. So stop talking to him. And, yeah, and so he was kind of like mad at me, you know, Uh he didn't talk and for the rest of the time and I was finishing getting my younger son ready and then I took the boys to school. Well, later on, they they went to the same school that my wife worked at and so she called me about maybe an hour or so later and just said, you know, Micah's crying in the office. He's really upset because he left a bad letter for daddy. And so I'm like, I don't, what do you mean bad letter? You know, so she said, it's in my um, bedroom on the nightstand. So I went in there and looked at it and it said, dear daddy, I hate you forever. I will not forgive you. Love, Micah. (laughs) But I'm sitting there thinking like, wow, feel the impact of those words. I hate you forever. I will not forgive you. Mm. Now, that was not my worst moment at parenting. I did not respond uh, that I've had much worse moments of parenting than that. Uh, so I was like, uh, int- it was intriguing to me that that was a moment where he was like, I hate you forever. But I think I was really grateful that he communicated because I knew what his heart was feeling. Yeah. What if he kept that inside and said nothing? Right. Then that would have been something that he would have just filed away in his heart. Mm-hmm. Now, that a one moment like that is not going to change your heart forever. But right. What if that is your story time and time again, mm-hmm. where you've had those little moments throughout the course of a day where you feel hurt by your father or mother or other family members or other people, and you just keep filing away in this bucket all these little hurts yeah. that remain unaddressed? Mm-hmm. How does that impact a soul? Yeah, It has a huge impact on a soul. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be severely traumatized right. to be impacted in a significant way. Mm-hmm. That causes you to shut your heart down and want to protect it mm-hmm. and to keep from anybody, you know, mm-hmm. hurting you again. Yeah. And the only way to shut that down is you have to be willing to hate. Now, we don't typically think of hatred as something that you and I would do. We're like, I'm not a hateful person. Uh-huh. But even in the scripture, it says in Proverbs 24 and close to the end of that chapter, it says, a lying tongue hates its victim. Mm. Well, how many of us have ever lied? You know, it was like everyone, everyone. And if yes. somebody says they haven't, then they're lying, you know, because it's like, really? I mean, that's, that's all of us. I mean, at least once in our life, we've all said a little white lie or something, yeah. but this is a strong words from the scripture it says a lying tongue hates its victim. Yeah. It's putting proper definition to a behavior yeah. saying that when you lie to somebody, it is an expression of hatred because right. if you love right. them, wouldn't you really speak the truth yeah. and do it in love, mm-hmm. you know, in a loving manner, that's that's mm-hmm. God's heart for us is that we would speak truth and do it in a loving manner. But mm-hmm. when we do opposite, that is a representation of a hateful response. Mm-hmm. So there are little ways that we do this all the time in our relationships that we don't call hate because we've learned to soften our behavior to not being that bad. Right. Instead of like owning the fact that like, well, compared to what God desires for mm-hmm. me, Um, This is far from what he wants. Yeah. And so like these little things that we let go really matter. We've just learned how to devalue so much Mm. that we don't really recognize what's important anymore. And that's part of, I I believe what the Christian life should be. That's part of coming alive to that. 
to being aware of all the subtle things that happen on a regular basis, the little ways I feel hurt, the little ways that I jab and hurt other people, and that I would really deal with that so that I could have clean accounts with people mm-hmm. and that they could have yeah. clean accounts with me. That's the ideal, but we yeah. are, I, I personally believe we're so far from that, yeah. that that we don't even realize how far away we are. And we are struggling with things and don't realize that it's because we're not living into the fullness of what God calls us to, but to be aware of all those subtle things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's yeah. how I see yeah. our story and our journey playing out. It, um, it continues. And, and that, uh, translates into what you were talking about that, um, you know, you're still working on yourself and I'm still working on myself. And we, uh, you know, when, when we get past, even get past an unwanted sexual behavior, then, you know, God shows us the next thing <laughs> and the next Correct. thing and yes. the next thing. And, mm-hmm. and there it is. We and def- again, that doesn't have to be discouraging if you mm-hmm. understand that this is the, the Christian journey. This is the yeah. Christian life is mm-hmm. to always, and it's, it's completely different when you're living this life in the midst of a God who is totally in love with you mm. than if you're doing that in the midst of a God that you feel like is angry with you until you get it together. Right, that God I d- I don't believe is exists. I think the God that exists yeah. is somebody who is very gracious and loving and and just so proud of us and loves us mm-hmm. and lavishes yeah. upon us. Yeah, um, and so facing our brokenness is only all the more rejoicing because mm-hmm. He hopes to free us from mm. from all the ways that we damage one another, yeah. not just our unwanted sexual behavior, but. Yeah, all the ways we these little subtle things that we do every time. He he really wants us to live in freedom, mm-hmm. and um, hope that there can be a new day where we're living like him. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly right. You know, and um, one one last story I wanted to ask you to tell when uh, so you were talking about the different damage of um, trauma and that. And I, it was a really interesting story that you wrote in your book about the, it was a large white man who was um, having some, some issues from uh, a past trip to the hospital that he had as a, as a child. Can you tell that story really quick? Yes. That, and I, I shared this story just to show like the significance of what happens to us in our lives. Mm -hmm. And um, this was a, a white male that was, um, a little bit taller and, and more muscled than me mm-hmm. and uh, just seemed like a very confident man. But one thing he shared in support group is that he didn't like anybody touching him. Mm-hmm. He didn't like anybody touching him unless um, a black woman was hugging him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very interesting. I'm like, what, what's in that story? Like, again, it's, yeah. that's a symptomatic behavior that there's something behind that. So mm-hmm. let's figure out the story. And so we, I just asked him like, I have no idea what that <laughs> represents, but let's yeah. ask God. He obviously knows. Right. Let's ask him to show you. And it was several weeks went by and he came to group one night and he said, you would not believe what happened last night. Mm-hmm. We're like, of course, eager to hear what, like what, what? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I was talking with my parents and they shared about when I almost died. Uh-huh. I said, almost died. What? <laughs> yeah. And they shared about that when he was an infant, that he became very ill and it was a time period in life in our country where if a baby became very ill, it wasn't like the parents could sit with their baby all the time and mm-hmm. constantly be present. They typically isolated infants and then the parents could go home and then come back and see and spend time with the baby during the day. But you weren't allowed to be there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so they talked about him being there in the hospital 
And they said, remember, there was this black woman that would carry you around and sing to you. Mm. All mm. of a sudden, it became clear to him yeah. where that desire came from. Now, what happened? He faced a trauma as an infant. Yeah, He needed comfort mm-hmm. from his parents and no fault of his parents. Right. But they weren't able to be there mm-hmm. for him. Um, and there's just because of limitations of the medical system at that time that prevented his parents from being there. Yeah. And so they were not able to provide that comfort, but this, this woman did this African American woman who was caring for the babies. She -hmm. was there offering nurture and comfort Mm -hmm. when he was ill. Mm -hmm. And so he attached to her. Yeah. Now it wasn't such a strong attachment that he couldn't, you know, connect with his parents again, but there was a disconnect that happened to him and it impacted him in such a way that it happened, that it stayed with him for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, that to me was very telling because I think about what what's happened to all of us, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe we don't even know. Yeah. And that we're really dependent upon God to show us. Right. But that right. really whatever behavior we have can be explained. Mm-hmm. We just need to seek the Lord mm-hmm. and maybe seek out the people in our paths to try and understand. Yeah. Sometimes we may never know. It was just, we're just grateful that God revealed this to this man. Yeah. But sometimes we may never really know everything, mm-hmm. but we can trust that there is a reason behind it Yeah, and rely upon our father and believe that what he has in terms of guidelines and the way he wants us to live is the ideal and to mm-hmm. strive for that. And if we don't fit into that, that that is not something to shame ourselves for, but to realize there's a reason behind it. We may not understand it, but to trust our father and follow his way anyway. Right, and um, that's mm-hmm. a conscious decision that each of us has to make, and nobody can make it for you. Yeah, yeah, and that's. Um, I just ask you to mention that, just because it's uh, very different from the all, all the different pieces of neglect and trauma and the things that we talked about. I mean, that's um, there. Uh, there could be many different possibilities that right. um, where you know what's fueling unwanted sexual behavior, and um, there's. Uh, I like what you said. You know. We, we may or may not uh, connect the dots on every one of these issues, but um, certainly when we can, I think that's really helpful, but um, it, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way in order to, to heal because of a loving Father. And as we embrace God more and more, I think that uh, He can give us whatever it is that we need. If we need to know, then He can, he can deliver that for us, yes. like He did for mm-hmm. this man. Mm-hmm. So, Brad, mm-hmm. thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, really appreciate your time and your wisdom, and I can't wait to have you back again someday. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a, <laughs> a joy to be here. 